Hey baseball fans, Matt Nadell here to intro this episode of Baseball for Breakfast, your weekly serving of dangers and zingers. This week, Brendan and I talk about the big Trevor Bauer signing, much to his chagrin, and many more off-season moves. We then finish off the pod by quizzing each other with some trivia. Sadly, Logan's not here because he had to work, but don't worry, we still roast him nonetheless. Totally huge news. Like, the really, the like, Mets signed Trevor Bauer. <laughs> the Mets had Trevor Bauer and Brad Hand for approximately a combined of 20 minutes this offseason with Ken Rosenthal saying a deal was close to Bob Nightingale saying that the Mets had a deal in place. And then minutes after, every like credible reporter refuting that report by Nightingale is just LOL Mets to its finest. But... At least it's finally over. I can finally breathe a bit as a Mets fan, knowing that you know the top three free agents are gone. We don't have to ponder about who's going to go where. So, yeah, Bauer, the the last guy to go, and hopefully that'll trickle down. Hopefully the signings will trickle down from there. But four throws, not four years for Bauer, but three years for Bauer at over a hundred million. It's a stupid out. contract. Such a dumb contract. Why? Why do you think it's dumb? It's a dumb con. Okay, for like a couple of reasons. First of all, if you think that Trevor Bauer deserves that type of money, sure, he just won the Cy Young Award, but like, I, like Garrett Cole didn't deserve that type of money. Like Justin Verlander didn't deserve that type of money, or not that he was ever a free agent, but like Max Scherzer didn't deserve that. Like this is a massive mess. What what's the record right now? Like thirty five or thirty four for a pitcher for a pitcher. Garrett Cole set the record at thirty six million last year. Now Trevor Bauer. Is going to be paid forty-five million over the next two years of the Dodgers. That's a twenty-five percent increase for a guy who, sorry, but isn't really that proven. I, it's it's so it's so unbelievable. Like I know that the Mets should have really gotten him, and it was so so funny when they didn't. But it's so easy to see that the Dodgers overpaid. It's it's like so obvious to me. Well, the Mets had the higher offer, so if you think the Dodgers overpaid. The Mets really would have overpaid in your mind, but I think they had very similar deals with like the three-year structure and some opt-outs thrown in there. But I think that's what drove up his price per year because having him on a way shorter term than a Garrett Cole or a Scherzer who signed seven-year deals, nine-year deals, having a guy in his thirty, in his age thirty year coming off a Cy Young before you know a Cy Young award is pretty crazy. You know how many Cy Young awards winners in their thirties sign? A three-year deal and they're middle of their prime so i think that's what really drove up the the price to above 40 million and you know this is the same guy that said that he would only sign one-year deals for the rest of his career and to, in order to maximize his yearly earnings so he didn't exactly sign a one-year deal i mean he it very well could be if he opts out after the first year with the, with the dodgers but this is kind of his mo i'm trying to just go year by year trying to just, you know, get as much money per year as possible. And that's very appealing for teams that don't want to commit long-term money. They rather would overpay uh, for one year than having to go a little bit less over a much longer term. So he's, he's trying to, he, I mean, he won that he got the Dodgers to commit to three years and that now he controls the the length of the contract pretty much. Like I, I thought that the Dodgers were trying to cut, money like I, I didn't know that they were trying to and also so there's that and then there's also like I know that the Padres have like seven starters but the Dodgers didn't need to spend this money 
No, that's very fair. And they, uh, I mean, they're, they're the World Series champs and they won without Trevor Bauer. They already lost some of their key pieces in, you know, Jock Peterson, Kike Hernandez, Justin Turner has not been re-signed to this point. Yeah, so. now he's not going to get re-signed. Definitely not. You think so? I mean, they're already way over the luxury tax. They might as well just keep going over it. No, I think they would punt him because, I mean, okay, sure, they are well over the luxury tax, but, like, Justin Turner's, what, 35, 36? Like, even if it's a one-year deal, it might not be worth it at this point with the high luxury tax. I mean, I don't know. The The whole structure of the stupid luxury tax needs to get revamped. And either there needs to be a high, a, a hard salary cap or it, this needs to be better enforced in that the rules have to be changed. It's like, like 10% of what's over the luxury tax is what you have to pay. Or, I mean, I know it's layered uh, year over year. But it, it's such a stupid rule that no team has to follow. It Just in terms of saving money, I think the Dodgers shouldn't have paid Bauer. But in terms of the luxury tax, yeah, who cares, you know? Yeah, well, the Dodgers have been smart about it. So I agree the rules have to be revamped because teams have been taking, like the large market teams have not necessarily stopped their big spending because of the luxury tax. It has prevented them from like going year after year, going after every crazy free agent, but what teams do now at the Yankees and the Dodgers and, you know, maybe the Mets in the future, what they'll do is they'll go under the luxury tax for one year. They'll reset it. So when they, when they go over the next year, their fine is pretty, you know, their first offense is very minute and, you know, because repeat offenders have much more severe penalties and the higher up, the high, the more you go over the luxury tax, the more incrementally you're getting fined. So teams are very smart to, not abuse the luxury tax, but they still go over it. And it's crazy that Trevor Bauer's 45 million AAV this year is going to be higher than some teams' payrolls, which speaks to, you know, hey, we can like crap on the Dodgers for spending on Trevor Bauer, but we can know, also crap on baseball. Yeah, we can also crap on baseball's like literally destroyed economic system where, you know, there has to be some sort of salary floor in my mind because teams just. If they're not in the top ten in their division, not in their division, their league, they're just totally not spending any money on their roster, or not even trying to put a competitive product on the field. So, if there's some sort of like salary floor, like in the NFL, is there like a salary? Or no, the NBA is like a salary floor, right? Well, what's more, what's better about the NFL and the NBA, and maybe even the NHL, is just the salary cap and the revenue, the revenue sharing is so much better. Like, there's none of that in baseball. Like, I mean. There literally isn't a salary cap, and sure, there's some revenue spending. I mean, revenue sharing, but it, it's it doesn't make it competitive. It's like not fun to watch for a lot of the league. Like as a Yankees fan, it's fun because we win because we have a lot of money. That's that's kind of how that's kind of how the Yankees win. But like the Rays win because they um, they're innovative, but they still have to shed their payroll every year, and so fans don't want to see a new team over and over again every single year. So, of course, I mean, that's not to say that I'm not going to be a Yankees fan because of what they do. I'm a Yankees fan because I'm from New York. They're the New York City area. But, like, I, I, I've i said this for plenty of episodes now, and, Brendan, you did just say it too. The economic system in baseball is absolutely messed up. It's got to change. It's got to change. Yeah. 
Uh, and yeah, based on a purely baseball standpoint, the Dodgers did not need Trevor Bauer. I mean, they, they not at all. Ha- they have a crazy rotation as is. Yeah, like K- Kershaw and Walker Buehler. You know, we've looked at like some top ten pitchers right now list, and Buehler and Kershaw are very arguably in those top ten. David Price is coming back after opting out this year. Like and- David Price is the five starter, in my opinion, at least. Yeah, and like, they also yeah, like Gonsolin and May are probably three and four. But that's the thing; their depth is incredible. Uh, Dustin May, Tony Gonsolin, even Julio Urias. Oh my God, the the freaking World Series MVP. Well, not actually, but like he, but he closed out the World Series. Yeah, and um, Brutusor, I can't even pronounce his name. Brewster Gratterall. Really, <laughs> he's a really sexy reliever that throws like 102 mile per hour sinkers. Like he could be a starter one day. Like the Dodgers have a gluttony of options, and yeah, I. It's just upsetting to see that, you know, Bauer would have been a much better fit in New York based on just like baseball because the Mets needed a number two behind Jacob deGrom. And I don't personally believe like Bauer's his top five pitcher in baseball, but I do firmly believe he's like a, a, a number one starter on like a, a bad team. And on a good team, he's like more like a number two starter, but like that's fine. And I really wanted this player, you know, as a Mets fan, but it seems that he just wanted to go to LA the whole time. And you know, the Mets offer had been out there for a while. And if he wanted to be a Met, he would have taken that offer because what he got from the Dodgers was very similar, if not less money. So he's from L.A. I mean, I get it. Like he's from the he's from SoCal. I, I'm not sure if he was a Dodgers fan as a kid, but it makes sense that he wanted to go home. Yeah. And once the you know, once he used the Mets to leverage, once he leveraged the Mets enough to get the Dodgers to up their offer to close to what the Mets were offering, you know, Bauer went to L.A. And it seemed like. It was a, I don't know, a last-minute change because, from what I heard, the Mets and the and the and Bauer were pretty far down the road, and maybe the Dodgers up, up their offer at the last second, or maybe Bauer had a change of mind. But we can also just segue that into like how Bauer's free agency has been really unique, and how on Friday, no Thursday or Friday, his website, uh, Instagram, Linktree, had all these merchandise. Oh, um, really? Oh, you're not here about this? No, I didn't even see. Okay, so to listeners, if you do not know, so Trevor Bauer is associated with the company Momentum, and he also has, like, yeah, he has like merchandise and whatever, like through their their website. So Momentum's website, you know, BauerOutage.com, whatever his website is called. It's wonderful. Um, there were there were um, signed Met hats on his website. Are you serious? Yeah. That's and so there were, uh, there were unbelievable. links on his website that said LFGM. Um, there were shirts on his website that said, you know, Bauer, welcome to New York. Um, afterwards, then he started posting, like, his website had um, Dodgers hats on there, like signed Trevor Bauer hat giveaways. An Angels hat appeared on his website. So I don't know if it was – apparently it was trolling because he, he went with the Dodgers, but maybe the mar- his marketing team had have, have prepared, you know, shirts for any of the scenarios where he was at a sign. And they were having fun with uh, the fans by, you know, leaking these merchandise, this merchandise to the you know, right before his decision. But uh, I was really shocked that, you know, with all this LFGM, like this pretty legitimate merch and like messages that um, met subscribers, you know, getting messages from Trevor Bauer, met season ticket holders, not season ticket holders, but like getting messages saying, you know, can't wait to pitch in New York. Like it seemed pretty legit that Bauer would be a Met. And I was shocked to see that he went to the Dodgers. And 
I'm more shocked that a player like Trevor Bauer, who is not exactly like a top five player or pitcher even, like treated his whole free agency like he was some big LeBron James like fiasco. Yeah, like I, I will say that Bauer's signing is high, but it's high risk, high reward where, of, yeah, he did just win the Cy Young. And if the contract pays off, it really does pay off. But you're right. He's not LeBron James. He's not Mike Trout either. He has like two good seasons and his his lifetime ERA is 3-9. That's like a four starter or maybe a three starter on like a on on one team versus another. Like this is not a guy who is tearing up the league every single year, who is a surefire Hall of Famer. Like this is Trevor Bauer we're talking about. <laughs> well, I do think now in free agency, play uh, teams will pay for not not paying for the back of the baseball card, but more for projecting what they're going to do for the next two or three years of their contract. I agree, but also like recency bias. Like you have to look at a player's total record, and you can't just say, "Oh, he's he doesn't deserve the money." I mean, he deserves the money that he got because of one season. Like when DJ LeMahieu signed his contract with the Yankees two years ago, like it was fifteen million because he won a batting title or I think a couple of batting titles, maybe only one, but like he was at least a little bit proven. And fifteen million, I mean, everybody thought him as a Yankees fan. Everybody thought that that contract was so low, and we got him at a bargain. And then he had two insane seasons, and then we were like, oh boy, looks like his contract is going to be thirty million next year. And then it wasn't because of age. So. There are a whole lot of factors that go into this, and I feel like the Dodgers were just like, oh, we won the Cy Young. I guess we should pay him billions of dollars. <laughs> well, I think the Dodgers are also buying into the fact that like he may have unlocked something last year, and he's been tied to like scandals about you know him like cheating or like doctoring the baseballs, you know, because his spin rate has really dramatically increased. At the same time, though, I mean, his YouTube channel has shown a lot of analytics, so I'm not going to knock him. No, yeah, he's very uh, scientific with his approach and how to refine his repertoire. So, like, it's, it is very feasible to believe that he, he hasn't locked something, but it is also fair to point out that he only pitched against the NL Central last year, which was Bunzo. So, Trevor Bauer being an ace is not a guarantee, so... Again, there's a bit of a risk, high reward here. It's only a three-year deal, so if he stinks, you know, it's a really tough pill to swallow this year or next year. But I'm more concerned about his baggage um, and his mixture in the clubhouse with uh, guys like Bellinger and Seager and David Price. I mean, I was fine with it coming to the Mets. Like, I knew I was willing to take the the, the risk of him being a problem in the clubhouse, you know, balancing that off with his performance, but it is something to note that Bauer is kind of a quirky guy. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know if you could like discriminate against him like that. I admit that like being a clubhouse guy versus not being a clubhouse guy is important. I I, I don't know. It's the whole signing just doesn't really make a lot of sense to me for a number of reasons. Like, I mean, yeah, he is a quirky guy. I just, it, it bothers me a lot more that the money was just way too much. And like, if I were the Dodgers, I would have said, as soon as you crossed the $30 million threshold, I would have been out. I think it's a very interesting thing because guys like Jacob DeGrom, who has an opt out after 2022 and Kershaw, I think it's a free agent again after this year. So we're going to see how this Trevor Bauer deal affects other pitchers that are better than him. I mean, you know, 
no offense, but like Kershaw and DeGrom, I'll take them over Trevor Bauer. Any day of the week. We'll Any see. day of the week. We'll see, you know, are they going to ask for $40 million now? Because that's the price that, you know, I, I'll be a three-year deal, but that's the price that uh, an elite starting pitcher just got paid. Uh, it's not always like built on precedent for agency, but it usually is looked at that way from an agent's point of view. So Yeah, because it's like, oh, that guy got this amount of money, and I think I should get higher or lower than that. Yeah, I think it I, – I mean, precedence isn't the – I don't know if it's totally the right word, but just like comparison throughout the league. Like, yeah, like, like you're if, in a market. Like people were saying that like if Bauer was getting more money than DeGrom this year, like, you know, DeGrom may have been upset. Like, you know, if DeGrom is going to have to make his, you know, mind up on a new contract in a few years and – He's probably going to want a higher number than what he has right now. And based on what Trevor Bauer and other pitchers alike have gotten recently. <sighs> it's, it's just fun. It's just fun to see all these, all these teams with so much money duke it out. And then the Rays are going to win the world series. <laughs> Dude, it's just like, there was no one in on Trevor Bauer. Like the Mets were like involved, you know, but they also were involved on everybody. The Dodgers were kind of involved uh the I, angels were like rumored to be but like yeah i was gonna say and the yanks like at the very beginning i think were too yeah so there were like no suitors really for trevor bauer like the blue jays signed springer instead they weren't gonna get a, they weren't getting both so like yeah, that was a solid move i'm very happy with that signing still uh, even as that's a very safe that's a much safer signing than bauer. oh yeah 100 percent. and the blue jays i mean you could say that they have all of canada as their market, but it doesn't really make a lot of sense. <laughs> it, I, I think they're like mid tier in terms of their market, maybe even a little bit lower tier. So they, they don't necessarily have all the money in the world to spend. So yeah, Springer made way more sense. And just like Kenjin Ryu, like two years ago, that also made more sense than signing Bauer for them. Yeah. Like this, this was really going to be a high risk, high reward signing. So only big market teams were going to be in it. And the Angels once again struck out on pitching. What else is new? <laughs> yeah, I think people those just for the fit alone, people like connected the Angels to Bauer, you know, giving an, giving them an ace finally. But instead, the Angels decided to sign Quintana, Jose Quintana. That yeah, is. best pitcher in baseball. And they also uh, traded for Alex Cobb from the Orioles this week. Very very interesting move. I mean, that's just like a band aid on our rotation. Like Alex Cobb was fine last year, but like, yeah, the Angels are never going to have that ace to propel trout and Rendon to the playoffs but maybe i'm wrong maybe the angels will have some positive regression in the rotation and maybe andrew heaney and dylan bundy are you know are able to carry the weight but we'll see what shohei does i still don't know what he's gonna do yeah. x factor can we talk about like the best signing this week and that is definitely not nelson cruz but marcella zuna <laughs> Nelson Cruz is also an amazing signing, <laughs> I will say. How much did he get? I will, we'll talk about him, but I want to talk about Ozuna. Cruz got a one-year deal for 13 mil. Yeah, that's that's pretty solid. Literally nothing for like literally like the guy with dingers. Well, who he was the AL American League Offensive Player of the Year, like voted on by the players. All right, all right. Well, we'll get to we'll, well get no, to we'll the, get to Nelson we'll Cruz. We'll get to Cruz. Let's talk about Marcelo Ozuna because. Ozuna basically almost just won the triple crown and he got absolutely nothing from Atlanta. And he was like, sure, why not? Yeah, four years though. Like he had a one year deal last year. So, no, but think about like, think about what Bauer just did and then think about what Bauer did this season and then the contract he got versus what Ozuna did and what the contract he got. I'm not saying that Ozuna was better than Bauer. I mean, Ozuna, Ozuna didn't win anything and Bauer won, won Cy Young. So there's that. 
But also, Ozuna did almost win the Triple Crown, and his contract is like a third of Bowers per AAV. That's Yeah, that's a good point, actually. You know, I think Ozuna got four years, 64 mil. So I'm not great at math. That's 12 mil per year. No, the, 16 uh, mil. It's 16 a it's year. 16 mil. Okay, so a little bit more than a third, but still, that's a bargain for Atlanta. That's yeah. an absolute bargain. Like, and the difference, the real difference is besides the fact that they both were, were very good this year, is that Ozuna is much more proven in the past than Bauer is. I mean, Ozuna's no Hall of Famer, but the numbers that he's put up, I mean, like he has the possibility to have a really good four years. He's only 29, so this is his age 30 season. Oh, he's had young. I feel like he's been around forever. Yeah, he has, because he was with Miami, and then during the fire sale, he got sold to St. Louis for probably Magic Beans. And then I think he signed with Atlanta on the one-year deal. Yeah, he signed with Atlanta. Yeah, so I'm glad he got the four years and he got some security finally. But yeah, like that contract makes way more sense if anything, it makes a little bit less sense because the money is so low for a guy who almost won the Triple Crown than, than Bauer's gigantizoid contract. Well, Bauer got overpaid and Ozuna got underpaid. It's just like the way like teams value players differently and like how like the Braves would never value Trevor Bauer at that amount of money. But for the in the Dodgers situation, they felt, you know, for the short term, like we can value him at that and like justify it. It's but. probably one of the most, the, the scariest back-to-back um batters in the order across the league I love Ozuna it. and Freeman it's insane well I think what happened to Ozuna's price is that well let's also talk about it's like February we're one week into February and pitchers and catchers report and well camps open in 10 days February 17th we're recording on the 7th happy we Super Bowl Sunday everybody happy Super Bowl Sunday um bucks and bucks and five <laughs> um we don't know if there's going to be, I mean, we're assuming there's going to be no DH in the National League, but we had a universal DH last year in expanded playoffs. We don't know the rules for the National League this year, which is insane. And with camps opening up soon, teams are trying to finalize their rosters. And Marcelo Zuna, half of his market was taken away due to the fact that teams aren't going to pay him that money and risk not having a place for him because he's not really a left fielder. He's mostly like, you know, at best a part-time outfielder and needs a DH at least the other half. That might the time. be why they that might be why the contract is a little bit lower. Not that they'll platoon him, but that it it's almost like it's insurance that they'll they might the Braves might think, hey, this guy might get injured. We might we and I think Ozuna also knows that because his injury problems are uh, pretty well known across the league. So the the Braves might have been like, all right, we we could very clearly see that you not being a full-time DH might hinder your abilities. So we're going to lower the price a little bit because we kind of expect you to get injured a little bit. So also like, I don't know who else was going to pay. It was mostly between AL American league teams and the Braves because the Braves had them last year and like would be more likely to bring them back than another team. And then another national league team putting them in their outfield, but he was linked to the Rays uh, I don't, I don't think he was really a fit for any other team in the American League. That would have been insane if he went to Tampa. When that news broke, I was like, "Holy crap!" I wanted, I wanted that to happen because I like when the Rays are good. I yeah. like when the Rays are good too, and I like when the Rays spend money on someone who isn't thirty-seven years old who's only good in the playoffs at Charlie Morton. But <laughs> <laughs> well, Martin, Morton's pretty good, but 
I think it's a great deal for the Braves. And yeah, four years, like it's a really good deal. If there's yeah. e- even if there's no DH this year, like there's the it's new, coming. With it's new, coming with the new CBA coming expiring at the at the end of the year. And you know, I think most baseball most baseball fans were like pretty uh, high on the DH in the National League this year. Yeah, finally, you National League nationalists came around. (laughs) Yeah, like, I think pitchers have not been able to hit. Like, they can't even bunt properly. Like, let's just take it out of their hands. Let's finally let some professional hitters. There's not enough action in the game as it is. So, like, if there's another, if there's more opportunities to create more action, I'm down for it. So, Ozuna may not play much of the outfield pass this season, but if he has to play left field for one year, so be it. He's an amazing hitter. And with Freddie Freeman, like Matt said, the Braves are scary. Ozuna, Acuna, Albius, Freeman, Dansby, Swan- Dansby Swanson turned it on last year a bit. Travis Darno had a breakout year. And their pitching is insane, too. Yeah, Drew Smiley they brought in. Charlie Morton from the Rays. Ian Anderson had a great playoffs. Mike Soroka, is he still injured? He, I think he's coming back this year. I don't know when he's coming back this year, but I mean, I don't think it's that crazy to say that a Braves Dodgers uh, rematch for the pennant seems pretty inevitable at this point. And I, I don't know, man. I mean, it. the Padres are also looking really solid. I, those are the top three teams by far easy, in the National League. Easy. And then if we want to round out the division winners, St. Louis looks like the division winner in the NL Central right now. Yeah, I would say like the second tier would be like Cardinals, Phillies, maybe Mets, the Mets. Yeah. And then that's, you know, but yeah, it's scary for the Braves and. They got on for a very cheap deal. So how long are they? What's their streak right now of winning the the NL East? Is it like two or three years? Uh, I want to say it's like three years. Yeah, they're not losing the NL because the Nationals when I mean, the East. Nationals won the World Series, they, they were the wild card. They were a wild card team. I, I don't think they made it in 2018. I think I think the Braves won the division in 2018. Yeah, I'm pretty sure they did. Yeah, so it was the Nationals. Okay, so that, that sounds right. So three years going for the Braves. Yeah, so they're not losing the division for another two three years. Like the, this team is so good, and a mix of a mix of veteran MVP candidates slash MVP winners and Freeman with MVP hopefuls who are like super duper young. It, yeah. I think Freeman is a free agent soon, but like yeah, he'll resign. They ha- he has to. And they're also I don't know, paying. man. I don't know. Like don't first, so? well, it's just that like first basemen are such a hot commodity. It's fair, but like, isn't he like from that area? I feel like you're right, but either he, way, he just feels like way too much like Chipper Jones to leave. I don't know, man. I mean, Chipper's. A, you know, I was just this is a little bit off topic, but I was just looking at Chipper's stats and like. Like he's a legend in Atlanta and like he's got the all-star games and like he's totally a Hall of Famer 100 percent But if you look at the accumulation of his stats, like it's like maybe a little bit questionable. It's actually kind of funny to say that because of how much he means to Atlanta. But like the fact that he's a Braves legend really helps his case. That's all I wanted to say. I love you, Chipper. You're really so you're good. saying, well, did he ever win an MVP? Uh, he might have. Let's well, give me he, a sec. He was a first ballot Hall of Famer. So oh, he, yeah, bro, like 97%. Yeah, yeah. So he couldn't have been like that bad. No, no, no. I'm not saying he was bad at all. I'm just saying like, yeah, I mean, it's it's just like, so the 2,726 hits and 468 home runs, like off the bat, like that doesn't meet the 3,000 or 500 requirement. So it's just very funny to look at. I mean, it's also a third baseman. Like third baseman don't have those stats besides Mike Schmidt. 
That is true. I'll give you that. But yes, he did win an MVP in 1999, actually. So oh. it was the year that they won the pennant, and then they lost to the Yanks in the World Series. Also, the year that I was born. So a, a really bad year. Oh, I agree. <laughs> uh, you want to talk about Cruz? Yeah. So if Ozuna was not going to resign, <laughs> let's do it. Nelson o- Cruz, Brendan's favorite. Oh, literally, Mr. Hall of Fame. I mean, if not for the PEDs, like he literally has had a, a career resurgence since because of the PEDs. <laughs> I would say since like 2014, 2013, with basically uh, when he left Texas. Yeah, going to the Orioles, having a monster season there in Camden Yards, and then signing with the Mariners, where I thought he was going to do bad with the Mariners. At the time, it was like, all right, like Cruz and Cano, both signing in Safeco Field, not really a hitter's ballpark. Cruz like was even, you know, not even, I wouldn't say better than there, but he was very good with the Mariners and was very consistent and played in every game, you know, as a DH, very durable. One of the last true, like, DH is the pure, a pure DH where like literally if you stick him in the field, he melts. <laughs> well, yeah. Like David Ortiz, like a pure DH, like, uh, I would say, uh, Edgar Martinez, Edgar Martinez. Like it's a dying breed where, D- where teams now use a DH is kind of like a rotating door to like rest the player. And which I like, I think that's a good move. I think it's smart. And like, you know, you can, you can play, uh, play the matchups in that way, but Players like Nelson Cruz or, you know, now maybe even Marcelo Zuna or like a dime a dozen and seeing Cruz return to Minnesota where he really has helped their offense, the Bomba squad, the last two years. And they've been to the playoffs both years, albeit they haven't won a game either time. They haven't won a playoff game in like 20 years. <laughs> yeah. Well, like Cruz was, you know, they, they lost Eddie Rosario, which loses them pop there. But Donaldson didn't play last year, really. So Donaldson and Cruz for a full year, like sign me up. Max Kepler, they also uh, brought in Angleton Simmons for a shortstop. Oh, so. they did do that. Oh my god, I totally forgot about that. Yeah, they, and they also, I think they signed Alex Colomay to be their closer this week. They did do that too. Alex Colomay is in as their closer, and they, I mean, you don't like Jay Happ, but like you know, not a bad guy for fourth or fifth spot in the rotation. He literally sucks. Jay Happ, but. Uh, the twins look really nice, and I was actually thinking to myself last night that I'm not ready with this move of bringing Cruz back. I'm not ready to put the White Sox ahead of the Twins and what they've done. Yeah, you know, bringing bringing Colome to close, bringing back Cruz, shoring up their defense with you know Donaldson and Simmons on the left side of their infield. Very low key offseason for the Twins, and I'm really I like their team. And Cruz coming back for one year, 13 mil. I mean, it's a slam dunk for the type of production he brings. On the offensive side, yeah, of it's insane. Like he averages like forty homers a season. His yeah. last like five years. Also known to be a great guy in the clubhouse and great for leadership and mentoring the younger hitters. Yeah, because he gives all of them steroids. <laughs> well, maybe not. he hasn't got he hasn't gotten positive since like what like 2013, 2012? Eh, like, It doesn't matter. He tests. He literally he tests like, positive once. He has COVID. <laughs> I Cruz Cruz like basically like Robinson Cano, but like Cano has two failed tests and Cruz. Oh, Cano has two failed tests and. Uh, Cruz is one, so, so Cruz definitely could be on a Hall of Fame trajectory. Possibly, I mean, he literally hasn't been positive and has been amazing for the last ten years. But I think it's a great move. I don't know where else he could have gone realistically. Like there were some rumors that if the DH was implemented in the National League earlier, that teams would have been interested in bringing in Cruz. But if I were a National League GM with a DH, I 100% would be interested. Yeah, like steroids or not, like. I mean, he's got an insane bat. He batted like 303 this year with like 16 homers. Like at the, at the age of 39, he's 40 now. 
and it's a one-year deal. And as our listeners know, they're, they're never any bad one-year deals. Never. <laughs> yeah. There's no, yeah, that's fact. There were no bad one-year deals. Get the quota. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think there were no real like logical landing spots left, especially after um, the the Astros brought back Michael Brantley. I thought maybe Cruz could have went to the Astros. That would have been Ra- sick. The Rays could have maybe went after, you know, if they didn't get Ozuna, the Rays could have maybe went after Cruz. But again, Rays spending money didn't really sound like a, a realistic expectation. So Cruz went to the Twins. A very amazing move. I it totally all- forgot also that Alex Colomay signed there because that's huge. That's great for the. They already had a good, good bullpen, and they lost Trevor May. But oh, where did like, Trevor May go? Huh? Where did he go? Tell me. Well, Trevor May was really good with them. He no, but where? Yeah, there we go. Yeah, meet the quota, <laughs> dude. Alex Colomay was like among relievers. I think he was the only guy uh, less than one ERA. He had a .81 ERA this past year. I think he came in second or third in the Mo Rivera Award in the American yeah. League. Very underrated. Yeah, he's so good. He's so good. He doesn't like really get swing and misses, but he does get a lot of ground balls, and that's fine for the Twins because they have Josh Donaldson and Angelson Simmons. <laughs> you know what his ERA plus was? Two hundred twenty-two. You're not even halfway there. It wasn't four hundred. It was five hundred fifty-eight. <laughs> okay, well, how many innings did he pitch? Uh, well, he appeared in twenty-one games and twelve saves. Uh, twenty-two. Oh, okay. So, like, literally a Hall of Famer. Oh, literally. <laughs> um, that's a really yeah. You see, the Twins have had a good offseason. Like the yeah, White you're Sox, right. they have. And Andrelson Simmons, I'm always high on him. So White always Sox. high on Simmons. And also, like a lot of players have returned to their teams this offseason. You know, Azuna going back to the Braves, Cruz back to the Twins, uh, Lemayhu back to the Yankees, Realmuto uh, back to the Phillies, uh, Didi back to the Phillies. Um, oh my, I. Definitely Real Mudo back to the they say that one. Yeah, I think you said Real Mudo. The big guy who who didn't stick around that I think because we just talked about Colome is super important is Hendricks. The fact that Liam Hendricks signed with the White Sox, I that's probably why the twins were like, all right, let's sign Colome. Because they're you're right that they're very comparable in terms of their uh, rosters and they're fighting for the same division, and it's very clear who is going to be the better team if you look at them now versus in five years. It's the White Sox. So the Twins are trying to trying to compete for now. but Yeah, hence the one-year deal for Cruz. Like, he's not going to be around forever. So Yeah, but you're right that, that a lot of players are signing back with their teams. It feels like – I don't know the stat off the top of my head, but it feels like more players are signing back with their – with they're re-signing with their original teams – uh, versus leaving yeah it's almost like 2020 was like a an alternate dimension and it's just like all right like we're just gonna run it back like you know it's happening for like all over like the world like you know concerts that were scheduled for 2020 um you know performances whatever shows movies that were scheduled to come out in 2020 it's just like, all right like we'll just uh everyone's playing the what if game 2020 <laughs> we just put a pause on and we're gonna run it back in 2021 and you know <laughs> Let's also, run it back. Let's run back 2020. Let's but do it. Also, the economic system, like teams are much more comfortable. I feel like nowadays staying with the players they know than going out and you know, risking bringing, bringing a player into a new environment. Speaking of bringing a new player into a new environment, uh, Colton Wong signed with the Brewers just I love a couple that. of days ago. Yeah, I mean, his defense is insane. The bad isn't always there every single season, but when it's there, I mean, it's pretty solid. Um, 
the Brewers I did I guess they just didn't have a second baseman before. It was um Keston I can't I'm so bad oh, with names. Keston Weira? Weira? Yeah, yes, that guy. Well, he's moving to first base now. That's what I'm saying. So, yeah. I mean, cuz they had Moose a couple of years ago who then went to Cincinnati. Yes. So, I guess like the Brewers they just I mean like I get that fielding stats are like super proven, but I got Chris Russo in the brain. All, all the time. And I'm just like, ah, baseball is all offense. Pitching is defense. But like, no. <laughs> no, yeah. I mean, like, I like defense is super important. And also, I think the signals that, you know, Ryan Braun is gonzo because, you know, it moves this move, this move moves Haria to first base. And then their outfield's full with Braun. No, oh my God. Yelich, Kane, uh, obviously Garcia, amongst others. So, yeah. Braun, I mean, he could be brought back as like a platoon guy, but yeah, could be an end of an era in Milwaukee. And I think the Brewers have been really quiet this offseason. They have a really talented pitching staff with Corbin Burns and Brendan Woodruff at the top, and they still have Josh Hader and Devin Williams in their bullpen. So they could, you know, if, if Lorenzo Kane comes back and Christian Yelich bounces back, this team could be a sleeper team to watch. Well, I think Keston also needs to bounce back. I mean, he led he led the National League in strikeouts last year with 85, and he batted 212. Like his rookie really? year, he batted 303 with 19 yeah. home runs in 84 games. Uh, the like the power numbers are pretty much there. I I'm not really I'm not going to do the math right now to to do the ISO stats, but like like he really needs to to pick it up like what he did during his rookie year because Everyone is high on him. Everybody is high on him. I'm high on him. He was so good. We're literally smoking yeah. right now. <laughs> literally, <laughs> we're all, we're so high on him. <laughs> but like, but like, he was hyped up for years, and he's also really good in MLB The Show. So, and you know, that's how we do our projections. Very fair. If we're going by MLB The Show projections, and Mike Yastrzemski literally is like Babe Ruth. <laughs> literally pops off every time. Um. I guess we can round out this free discussion by talking about uh, the best of the rest, who's still available. Because most of the guys, like we said, have been either resigned by their old teams or you know gone to new places like Springer and Bauer. But I was scrolling through um, MLB, MLB Trade Rumors has a pretty nice list of the top 50 free agents, and most of the top guys are gone. Uh, just to round out some players that are still available um, with 10 days to go to spring training. Uh, Jacob to Rizzi, top pitching option available for the rotation, along with James Paxton. Paxton has been throwing a bit. Um, definitely, well, his agent, Scott Boris, says he's healthy. He's ready to throw. Uh, teams maybe are not so sure. He'll probably get a one-year deal somewhere. Uh, besides Oda Rizzi and Paxton, you have guys like Justin Turner, who's available at third base. Um who's been very proven. He's been very durable for the Dodgers the last few years. Uh, Jackie Bradley Jr. in center field uh, behind George Springer, the clear number two. Should really sign in Philadelphia. Should yeah. really sign well, in Philly. I really thought the Mets were going to grab Jackie Bradley Jr., especially after losing out Trevor Bauer. But, you know, just this morning we found out that uh, the Mets signed Albert Amora. So that seems they're they're going to go that way. Oh, literally, literally winning MVP. Holmes is saying Jackie Bradley. I don't know where he's going to go now. He maybe can go to the Astros. They can use a center fielder, but like Jackie Bradley is looking for a pretty big deal from what I'm hearing. There's no way that Brad, that one cheating team goes to another cheating team. There's no way. Well, Red Sox to Astros? <laughs> yeah, there's no way. 
he should sign in Philly. They'll pay him Bunzo. And by Bunzo, I mean a lot. I actually could, I actually could see that. The Phillies could use a center field. Yeah, they have their their war last year at center field was like their like defensive run saved or something was like the worst in the league and maybe one of the worst ever over the period of games that they played. Like it was terrible. So you okay? What do you think Justin Turner is going to go then if he's not going to go back to the Dodgers? Oh, that's a really good question. Uh, definitely not the Yankees. <laughs> I've been really high on the Turner back to the Mets bandwagon the last few days. The Mets third baseman, I guess, right now is JD Davis. Yeah, but Turner is a much better defensively and has been an amazing hitter. I feel like at this I feel like at this point the Mets just shouldn't even waste money on the offense. They literally led the league in batting average last year. Well, he helped the defense. That's what I'm even saying. Not even the offense. Like JD Davis can hit. I'm just looking at the defense here. All right, that's fair. That's fair. Um, I guess. I don't really know. I don't I don't have an opinion on uh Turner right now. I mean he should really be suspended for like a game or two. Not that that would really affect anything, but <laughs> oh, oh for oh yeah, for like kissing babies and uh, going back in the field. Yeah, for literally stripping down naked. No. <laughs> well, the Mets cut him back in 2013, then went to the Dodgers. Yeah, and afterwards, then he became so... pretty solid for like two seasons. Yeah. I don't think that Justin Turner is overrated. I'm just saying that everyone thinks he's a Hall of Famer when in reality he's been good for like a couple of seasons. That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. We're 2021. He's been good. He's been good since 2014. Yeah, that's all I'm saying. That's a long time. That's all I'm saying. Literally, Trevor Bauer has been good since like 2018. Literally, Trevor Bauer sucks. <laughs> um. Well, I'm just saying that point that the Mets cut him because if the Mets, you know, if it's between the Mets and Dodgers again, it's between Turner. I don't know if, the, if he still has a grudge against the Mets for cutting him all those years ago. And, you know, it was Sandy Alderson's front office that did cut him. So who knows if he still has it against them, if he wouldn't want to return. But I think Turner still makes the most sense for the Dodgers. They don't have to put all that faith in Edwin Rios to play third base full time. And Turner was a postseason god for them. Super clutch. Uh, he's been their constant force, you know, through their evolving roster over the years. He so, really was. Oh, I didn't even realize how good he was or during the postseason. I mean, 295 over like 15 different series. Like, that's solid. Yeah. And like, he, as most of the team has changed around him, like Adrian Gonzalez, Haley Ramirez, Matt Kemp, Andre Ethier. Uh, Those were fun teams. <laughs> yeah, but he's he's stayed and they, the Dodgers committed to him. Remember Andre Ethier? Remember when he hit like four walk off home runs in a season and then everyone was like, there was like a thing where I think if he hit another walk-off home run, you got like someone got to have dinner with Andre Ethier. That's very interesting. Yeah, it was me. I got to have dinner with Andre. <laughs> where do you guys go? Um, uh, we literally went to Applebee's. <laughs> yeah, literally. Uh, besides that, besides Turner, uh, Jackie Bradley, Odorizzi, Paxton, uh, you, you even say like Trevor Rosenthal is pretty solid for the bullpen, who's still available. Um, you know, for agency is pretty much wrapping up here, and it feels like it feels like it shouldn't though. Like the period where stuff is really happening has been like three weeks, and I like this feels really short, but at the same time, nothing happened for like three months, so it also feels really long in a way. Yeah, well, we finally got the big guys to sign. The big guys are finally signed, and I think even like most of the the middle tier guys are signed at this point, except for. The few guys we just talked about. Um, yeah, so we could still maybe see a trade. I mean, the Chris Davis trade was pretty surprising. You know, yeah, Chris yesterday. Davis for Elvis Andrews. That was really fun. So, yeah, we haven't really seen a trade for major league talent. Oh, also the Dexter Fowler trade. 
Yeah, that too. Finally got his stupid numbers off of St. Louis's books. Geez, they're having a solid offseason. So is is he going to play like every day in the outfield for the Angels? I was like looking at the Yeah, roster. he's literally the starting center fielder. <laughs> who who oh, would gross. who's starting in center but right the now? The Angels like? are so trash. <laughs> so I bad. hate their offseason. It's so bad. Jared Walsh better hit 50 home runs next year. <laughs> Obviously, you guys know by now that Logan is not a part of this episode, but he was so high in like the the Trevor Bauer train to to Anaheim and just you know rounding out their offseason with like Rossiel Iglesias. Like, you know, he was high on the Katana signing. He's not here to defend himself. I'm just saying, like, you know, trash offseason. Quintana, Cobb, and uh, they've got, like, Dexter Fowler, Jose Iglesias. I'll like, be Logan for just a sec. What are you talking about? Literally put their put some respect on their names. Call a spade a spade. Call a spade a spade. <laughs> yeah. All right, Logan. We will. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> um, but Dexter Fowler has been trash. I mean, he's a good on-base guy. Uh, he still can steal some bad. He literally was not even good in Chicago. <laughs> Like Brian Goodwin was like literally like better, and they, they traded him to the Angels. Uh, they traded the him Reds. to the the Rays. The no. Rays. Oh my God, I can't speak. The the Reds. They traded Brian Goodwin to the Reds, and they needed a right fielder. Apparently, uh, Justin Upton's old as also Justin Upton's only thirty three years old. Oh my God. Didn't they also trade Tommy Lastella? They traded him to the A's. Yeah. Then he signed up with Giants. Lastella is a really good player. He, you know, I don't know if we talked about it on the podcast going to the Giants, but that's a really good signing for the Giants. Wait a sec. I had no idea that this <laughs> he signed in San Fran. Oh, my God. Keep up. <laughs> literally, I literally shouldn't. Literally, literally pack your bag. Because Lastella, very good on base guy. He's a lefty. He can play all over the infield. And I guess it bumps Longoria off of third base. He can, he can play second base as well if they want to you know, sit down against Solano. But yeah, he just might be like more of a role player. Also, the, the Giants have so many lefties in their lineup now. Like, Yastrzemski, Dickerson, Lestella, Belt, Crawford. They're loaded with lefties. Yeah, the geriatric Giants are back in business. <laughs> so, yeah, Giants, like, you know, have improved a little bit. I don't know why the Giants are, like, well, I don't know why they can't get their age down. Like, Well, I think they're finally going to get Crawford and Belt off their books soon. Even though Belt was actually good last year. They're both really, I mean, they're both solid. They they were around for, I don't know if they were both around for all three of the championships, but like they, they've been in San Fran forever. So they're, they're classic. They're classic San Fran guys. Oh yeah. The Giants. Yeah. They are a very old team. Yeah. Super old. They're literally the Phillies from like a decade ago when they had had Utley and Rollins and Howard like past their primes. Dude, that was the first like super team that I really remember in baseball. Like that the 08, 09, even 2010 Phillies. Like those were some fun teams. They were great, but they resigned all their guys. They resigned their core and they just aged together and not well. We already talked about how much I love Shane Victorino on this podcast, so we don't have to talk Very about it again. too much about it actually. <laughs> Um, what else do we want to, any other free agency off season trade stuff we want to talk about? Well, we can talk a little bit about, about the Elvis Andrews trade. Like Let's for do a it. Second. Um, yeah, well, Elvis Andrews is just like, just like Belton Crawford are legends in San Fran. El- Andrews is kind of a legend in Texas. So the fact that he's going to Oakland is like kind of sad, but they were moving on from him anyway. And they were going to start Isaiah Connor Falefa at shortstop. So this was pretty much a done deal. Not not this specific trade, but just him leaving. And now they got Chris Davis, who, if this is the Chris Davis of a couple of years ago, I mean, ding-dongs for days. So, yeah. Also, if you fans are not aware of Chris Davis, he's like insane. Uh, this is Chris like, Davis from the A's, by the way, not 
not Dumbo, Chris Davis on the Orioles. Yes, yeah, it's Chris Davis with a K. Um, Chris Davis has a really uncanny ability to hit 247 <laughs> batting average. Um, I think he had back to back years. Well, like no, four, dude, it was like it was like three or four years. Oh my god, it was like four. So from 2015 to 2018, he hit 247 in four four consecutive seasons. Four consecutive seasons of hitting 247. All about Elvis Andrews. I think did he also have like a weird streak of hitting like a, the same batting average? Oh, I was just looking at his stats, but I don't know. Hold on, give me a sec. This would be like a really weird trade of like. Uh no, not it doesn't look like it. Okay. Yeah, I mean Andrews is probably past his prime, uh, and Davis might be also. But dude, Elvis Andrews has been around forever. He's a he's played twelve years in the in the. Major I know, leagues. dude. He debuted when he was like twenty. But yeah, so he's like also like only thirty two. Yeah. <laughs> Like he's literally DJ LeMahieu's age. Um, I mean, I guess is this the this is the age replacement for Marcus Simeon? Uh, most of the shortstops signed already. You know, like uh, Didi and um, Simeon signed in Toronto. Yeah, he Simmons signed. Simmons signed in uh, Minnesota. Yeah. So the A's needed to get their replacement. Um, a very was, interesting replacement because this is a guy that they played against for like twelve years. <laughs> yeah, and like he's not. Again, like he slept a bit, a little bit on the defensive side. Uh, I think, I, I think he's over the hill. But hey, they well, he wasn't even that bad defensively last year. He had was barely negative uh, D WAR as a shortstop. But yeah, like you said, Isaiah uh, Kiner Falefa. Yeah, that guy. He, uh, <laughs> there it is. Yeah, <laughs> I, bags. Time for the spelling bee <laughs> <laughs> or the pronunciation bee. Uh, it's coming, guys. It's coming. Not this episode, but it's coming. Yeah. So the Rangers were going into a different direction at shortstop and across the field. They were, cha- you know, the Rangers were doing a bunch of different new things. So Elvis Andrews was part of that old team. Goes to the A's. Um, Sorry, they'll sign Corey Seager next year. The A's. Oh man. Not the A's. No, the A's will have never have money ever. The right. Ra- the Rangers. I mean. Okay. Yeah. So I don't really. Trading Chris Davis is interesting. I, I guess it maybe to balance the money out. But uh, Chris Davis, I mean, that takes a big power bat out of the the A's lineup. And you have Chapman and Olsen still. Uh, Mark Canna is solid. But still, like, I mean, Stephen Piscotti is there still. But that's a really big bat you're taking away. And Elvis Andrews is the guy, like you said, Matt, like probably a little bit over the hill. It's age 32 season. And really doesn't provide much in terms of like power. Not really a great contact hitter. Doesn't get on base. He has some speed to steal bases, but I don't know. I feel like they could have even gone like a cheaper route. Maybe traded for I'm um, Rosario. Maybe just went like a cheaper uh, job VR. Maybe, but I don't love the move for the the. I like it for Texas because Texas got a. I mean, I don't know where he's to play. Like the they have really they have a lot of like guys like this that have um, no business playing the field that all, are listed as outfielders, like Willie Calhoun. Uh, Chris Davis, uh, David Dahl, they signed. Well, David Dahl's not bad in the field, but they have a lot of like outfield, a lot of guys that don't have a position right now. Um, I guess Chris Davis will DH or maybe he won't even play. Yeah, yeah. He's either DHing a role play or uh, he's going to have a just a utility role. Yeah. So, I mean, actually, the Rangers have like gotten really young this offseason. Like their lineup right now with, you know, Kalefa, Calhoun, Gallo is still very young. Uh, trading for Nate Lau can, from the Rays. Can Joey Gallo just like bat, please? Like, <laughs> they ever? I mean, hey, David Dahl, they signed who was like only twenty six years old. Yeah, I love that. I actually really do like that. 
You got Dan Dunning from for Lance Lynn. They signed Mike Fultonetich. Fultonetich. Chungo Bungo. Nice signing. They signed him like this week. Um, so, hey, the Rangers, like, they're obviously taking a step back for the next year or two. But, hey, maybe they take advantage of next year's, you know, really sexy free agent class and they got a superstar. Carlos Correa would look really nice in Texas. I'm high on Corey Seager yeah. going to Texas. Well, the Rangers could use a new superstar to, you know, uh, brand their stadium and their new – you know, build a new identity. <laughs> what is this, Paul Brown Stadium in in uh, Cincinnati? What are they what are they gonna call it? Uh, the Carlos Correa ballpark? What? Well, you need a superstar to like get fans your new ballpark. It's oh uh, yeah, I okay. It's just you said that a little bit weird. <laughs> okay, oh, okay. I, I, I thought you. It wait, sounded wait. like you literally said they should rebrand. <laughs> okay. I was like, didn't they just build a new stadium? <laughs> Well, also like MLB stadiums, like names are really bad now. They, but it's not Arlington Park anymore. It's like Globe Life Field. Oh well, no, it's, it's, it's a literally a new stadium. It's Globe Life Field. Yeah. Okay. It was Globe Life Park. That was the old one. Now it's Globe Life Field. Uh, and uh, Miller Park just got renamed to like something, some insurance company. Yeah, AT and T Stadium is like Oracle Park. Yes, yeah, it's, it's Seattle li- is T Mobile. It's literally AT and T Stadium is literally Safeco. No, bro, AT and T Stadium is in Dallas. It it was AT and T Park. Oh my god. I knew it was 18. And before though. that it was Pac Bell Park. And before that it was something else. But yeah. Yeah, terrible names. Anyway. Uh, um, you know, I was saying that the Rangers could use a superstar to like remember when the Marlins did this like years ago when they opened their ballpark, they signed Jose Reyes, Heath Bell, and I like, do Mark Burley that. like to kind of like draw fans to their new stadium. And then they all got traded. <laughs> well, yeah, the Marlins suck, but <laughs> the Rangers could do something similar here in like a year or two, so you know, getting rid of Andrews, you know, very lo- young lineup and, you know, hopefully start, you know, some other starting pitching can shine through, but I like it for the, I like it for the Rangers, not as much for the A's, but that's pretty much all that has happened this week. And hopefully we hear more about the DH possibly and the rule changes. Um, we're expecting the playoffs to be standard format this year, right? We don't expect much change. Yeah, I think it's going to be the same as it was two years ago. Yeah, so very uh, a little underwhelming that we're taking a step backwards after 2020, but I think most of the, the big moves have settled. Arenado and Dor both traded. Uh, Chris Bryant could still maybe be traded. I don't think it's going to happen, though, at this point. Um, It's certainly possible. KB to the Mets. <laughs> I would love that for a one-year rental. They could use a third baseman. Yeah, Justin Turner. <laughs> um. But yeah, moving on, we can move on a bit from our offseason or week of our just you know acquisition recap. Um, talk a little history. We talk a little. Uh, talk a little, a uh, little, a uh, little uh, history. All right. So because Logan's not here, we decided to finally have some fun on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, uh, Brandon, for you, I have uh, three trivia questions. As you guys know, I'm kind of the baseball history buff on the pod. Uh, and I've been blogging about it for like almost nine years at this point. So I know my stuff. All right. I know my stuff. And Brendan knows a lot too, but we'll see how much he knows out of my questions. So we're going to start off. We'll go chronologically backwards. So we'll start for the most recent and then we'll work our way back. But my I first... have no idea what to expect. I literally have, <laughs> I pitched this like very last minute, but I, it's something we talked about for a while though. Like this is something that we Yeah, want... But this is, this is like sort of. A, an abbreviated version just because like we had a lot of offseason stuff to talk about but we're like all right let's end the pod with something fun very fair let's hit let's hit it all right 
Mike Piazza. We all know him. We all love him. Milk Pizza. He's our favorite. Right, Brendan? Yes, exactly. Milk Pizza. So Mike Piazza played with a number of different teams during his career, mainly with the Dodgers and the Mets. But in 1998, when he was traded from the Dodgers and then eventually to the Mets, he was actually traded to another team for like two seconds and he played five games with them and then he got traded to the Mets. Yeah, so I know Mike Piazza's career. So uh, what team was that? Well, I'm going to say all his teams. I, I know all the teams he's played Oh, you on. know all the teams? Yeah, because he went to uh, different teams after the Mets too. So. I agree. All right, fine. So name all the teams that Mike Piazza played for besides the Dodgers and Mets. So we got drafted by the Dodgers. Uh, they traded him to the Marlins. Correct. And then the Marlins traded him to the Mets. Uh, same way the Marlins dealt Carlos Delgado to the Mets a few years later. So the Marlins helped us out in a big way in the 2000s. Well, it was like eight years, but yeah. Because Piazza got traded to the Dod- from the Dodgers to the Marlins. Oh, to yeah, the it was far like apart. It was, it was no, I know. Okay, so you were saying, yes. Okay, so the Mets, then they went to the... Oh, God, I got to mix this up. Uh, I, know, I knew it was Padres and Athletics. I don't know what the year... Yeah, that's the right order. Is it the right it, order? It's Mets, Padres, Athletics, yeah. Okay. I, I knew it was those teams afterwards. I wasn't too positive about like which order it came in, but yeah, very uh very good career. Yeah. Best hitting catcher in baseball history. Don't at me. But yeah, ridiculous. He took three times to get to the three tries to get to the Hall of Fame. I agree, but steroid skeptics. It was him and like uh Jeff Bagwell that got really got screwed. But all right, so Brendan, you're one for one. Congrats, but that was the easy one. Yeah. So was... now I gave you a Mets question. Now let's do a Yankees question. Oh, God. <laughs> got to meet the quota. All right, so... 27 rings. I got the right... I'm two for two. <laughs> Next question. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so... So... Um, Roger Maris uh, played with the Yankees for like five, six years in the 50s and 60s. And in one of those years, he broke Babe Ruth's single season home run record when he hit 61 home runs. What year did he do that? Okay. Man. Hmm. So Henry Aaron broke in around like this. Um, I don't know why you're talking about Hank Aaron. He's not involved in this at all. I know. I'm it's single I, season. Remember that single season. It's just one the the single season home run record. Oh yeah, I, yeah. You're totally right. I don't know why. <laughs> I'm, I'm just like mixing them together because of Hank Aaron's passing recently. Okay, so um, I'm gonna say it's the fifties. Am I wrong with the decade? Well, the decade is completely wrong. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so I'm not gonna guess in the fifties. He actually, right, I'm so sorry. I'm, he actually didn't play with the Yankees at all in the fifties. He played in in just the sixties, but. It was at the, the very beginning of the 60s. So he played with the Yankees from 1960 to 1966. Oh, is it, is it, is it 1961? It is 1961. I was, I was going to say that. I, I, I would have started way smarter if I just guessed that right off the bat. Yeah, no, I kind of screwed you over. I'll give you half a point for that. But here's how you remember. First of all, 61 and 61. That's easy. That's what I was going to say. I, I feel like those numbers were like... It's a very easy mnemonic. But also, here's a little bit of interesting history that goes along with that. So... For the first bajillion years of baseball, uh, the MLB season was 154 games. And Babe Ruth broke the original home run record that he set by himself at 60 home runs, uh, only playing in a max of 154 games. I don't know how many games he played that season, but the bottom line is max, he played 100. Oh, yeah. 
1961, it was the first year that only the American League played 162 games in a season. Why only the American League? I have no idea. I really don't know, but it's a very interesting question to answer. So I, I knew like the extra, I know there was a controversy about Maris having more uh, yeah. games to get to break the record. So, so it's interesting because yes, Maris had more games to break the record, but also in that specific year, one league played more games than the other. Yeah, <laughs> so that's really dumb. But at the same time, I mean, it, it does make sense mathematically in that the, there was no interleague play back then. The only times that the leagues would play against each other would be in the world series. Um, but in defense of Roger Maris, well, first of all, in the defense of the home run record, it's been broken a number of times over the, over that. I mean, Barry Bonds is the current record at 73. And I think he said, in, in, I think he hit 60 in like five months. So like, that's a record in and of itself. But my, but a very interesting thing to note is that in Roger Maris's first month of 1961 in April, he hit one home run. So, oh, wow. so for the next five months and into September, and I think it's early October, he hit 60 home runs. So didn't Maris like break the record on the last game of the year? It might have been the last or the second to last game of the year. Okay. But like him, that, him and Mantle were, go- I mean, like that was the Mantle, uh, that, I'm sorry, that was the Sosa Maguire battle back then when they were both battling on the same team for the home run record that was set by a guy who played on the same team as them. But yeah. then Mantle got injured and he finished with 54, uh, which is still an insane season for him. And then Maris, uh, I mean, the stress that was put on him was insane. His hair was like falling out at the age of 26. So that's fun. But uh, he ended up winning his second consecutive MVP award. The Yankees would face uh, Frank Robinson and the Reds in the World Series, and they ended up winning. 1961 Yankees is one of the best teams of, in baseball history. So very fun. All right. 1.5 for two. Excellent. Uh, fair. This is my last question, and it's probably the question that stumps the most people because it's so simple, yet no one knows the answer to it because the record was set kind of a long time ago. Who's the all-time leader in doubles? Tank Aaron. It's not. Oh, it's always he's the, he's the leader in total bases, right? Total bases, yes. Okay, doubles. Doubles. Oh, man. Um, so just think, I mean, I did say that we're going chronologically with this, so... No, no, I know it's a very... Is it Ty Cobb? It is not Ty Cobb, but you are... In the right in, time period? Yeah, you're kind of in the right time period. So Honus Wagner? It is not Honus Wagner. I'm going to tell you, I, I don't even know if you know this player, actually, but I'll tell you anyway. It's Tris Speaker. Oh, okay. Do you know who Tris Speaker I, I've is? heard of him, yes. Yeah, probably one of the best nicknames of all time the gray eagle it's a very sexy nickname yeah it's, it's a pretty, very very it's sexy pretty nickname. adult too no like you know not named after an animal or something like a polar bear or a banana <laughs> oh who's <or> <laughs> the banana brendan is that your nickname on your little league team yeah <laughs> the banana uh but yeah Trish speaker was an absolute legend all-time leader in doubles with 792 uh and second is pete rose fun fact um he's also got 3500 hits so probably top five, six, seven all time in hits and a 345 batting average, which is also up there among the top 10. Cause I think, cause Ty Cobb has the record of 367 and then Rogers Hornsby is second at 358. So I'm sure the true speaker is up there, but. Okay. Uh, well, I put, well, you can talk about true speaker if you want. I actually had a trivia question for you. Oh, I'm very excited. So wait, just as a recap. So Brendan, you went 1.5 for three. You got a 50% score. See me after class. <laughs> 
Oh, Tiger Bags. <laughs> um, so we, Ben and I kind of rib each other that like, you know, Matt's the historian. I'm like more of a current guy. The only reason why Brandon is more of a current guy and Logan too, I'll give it to him, is because they play fantasy baseball and I don't. So they know a lot more of the stats and the rosters a lot deeper than I do, which isn't to say that I don't follow baseball now. It's just to say that, you know, I'm not checking my phone about which pitcher I should start today, you know, so haha, boom well, roasted. Well, I think you're going to know the answer to this. All right, I'm ready. I'm ready. I'll give you a current baseball trivia question. Okay. Um, it's Derek Cheater. I win. Okay. Um, who, you're, you're going to laugh when I say this question. Who was the first ever DH? Oh! <laughs> Who was the first ever DH in the National League to hit a home run? Oh, Brandon's favorite fun fact. Uh, is the answer uh, Yoenis Cespedes? Oh, you, it's a correct O and a half. <laughs> oh, that's a. That's literally, Brandon loves that fun fact to death. I have one more great, uh, it's not as current, but which baseball team has the best winning percentage on opening day? Uh, I don't know, Brendan. I don't know. What team is it, Brendan? I don't know. <laughs> meet the Mets. Meet the Mets. And step right up and meet the Mets. <laughs> yeah, so the Mets obviously had the highest winning percentage on opening day. So obvious. Um, Literally, the Mets are always a lock to win an opening day. <laughs> uh, literally, I think, like, the first, because I transferred um 2019 may have been our first opening day 20, i think 2019 was our first opening day and i re- i remember the yankees played the orioles and luke floyd hit the first home run of the season that was very fun but i remember you and our other friend brett were so excited that the mets i mean obviously the mets have to play on opening day but you were just like oh it's such a lock it's a lock they're winning and i'm like bro what are you talking about and then of course as every mets fan does pulled out the stat that the mets have the best all-time winning percentage on opening day and i'm like okay <laughs> well the funny thing is about that like the mets like lost in their team history they lost like seven straight opening days to start their their franchise history. So that number is even like deflated a little bit. No, yeah. Like if they actually were like an okay team to start their history, like they would have been even better on opening day. Let me, let me pull up the actual percentage so I can. Yeah. Our fans what can is it? Up. What is it? Like 100%? Mets <laughs> opening day. I don't know what the Yankees is, but I'm sure it's pretty solid just based on their history. Oh, well, yeah. Like they probably have the best winning percentage of all time. No, I mean, obviously that. Yeah, obviously 27 rings. But like. <laughs> Bag your bags, but <laughs> no, like I'm sure it's just good just because of how good they are in general, just throughout their history. So they are 30 and 20 on opening day with a 655 winning percentage. What is that? You said 38 and 20? 38 and 20. Yes. Okay. So yeah, that's, that's awesome. well, actually after, so that's before opening day this year. So now after winning this year in opening day, they're 39 and 20. So 39, so almost, almost 66% win percentage on opening day. And then I got to see when they, um, how many, how many years did they lose to start their franchise history? I was probably like all of them. <laughs> okay. I'm not going to do the research right now, but the thing is you get the point. The thing is, if you want to bet on the Mets on opening day, bet them to cover the spread <laughs> at the minimum. Well, they're playing the national this year. So that should be a very exciting. Uh, it's an easy day. lock. I think I'm just excited to like talk about actual baseball games again soon. And we have not actually had a podcast, you know, with actual, well, we had the world series and playoffs going on, but like, no, we actually, no, no, we did. 
What okay, are you talking, are, are, are you talking about? Like a, a normal season, like a once a full season. Yeah, but this isn't okay. That's fair, but like this isn't normal at all because like the Mets are gonna lose on opening day. <laughs> if the Mets lose on opening day, then really we are like hell has frozen over. <laughs> Literally, if the Mets lose on opening day, it's Armageddon. <laughs> Thanks for listening to this edition of Baseball for Breakfast, your weekly serving of dingers and zingers. Make sure to rate us on any podcast providing platform you're listening to this on and follow us on Instagram at Baseball for Breakfast and Twitter at Baseball for Bread One. I hope you enjoyed this episode and we'll catch you at the next one.